and welcome to the Inspired Jewish Woman Podcast. I absolutely love and value that you are here with us right now, and I hope you will hear something on today's episode that will touch your heart and soul in a beautiful way. Enjoy the podcast. everyone and welcome back to another episode of Inspired Jewish Women. I am in my happy place right now in my Zumba class. It's called Frumba, Frumba Chicago with the incredible Tipora Gelman who is the mastermind of this place, owner, teacher, instructor, and inspirer of Jewish women all around Chicago and probably worldwide. But there's a need for that. There's a real need for that. And I guess, you know, COVID has had many negative things happen, but one of the good things is that you were able to go worldwide. The whole world kind of was able to take, you know, everything to a global stage. So yeah, it's been amazing. And it's definitely made us a lot more accessible to people all around the world. So, well, I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself. Sure. Give us a little background where you're coming from, kind of catch us up to speed. Then we're going to dig into some really amazing things. Okay. So my name is Sakoa Gelman. I was born and raised in Wind Rivers, New Jersey, which is a very small community um, exited on the New Jersey Turnpike. I was born to my parents who are Colombian, South American, and I did not grow up religious. My mother promised my grandfather pretty much like on his deathbed that she would send us to a Jewish day school. And so they happened to have moved to this community. They had a Jewish day school right in the middle of the community. They went to the principal and told the principal of the school, you know, we want to send our kids here. We want them to have a Jewish identity. But if they become religious, we're pulling them out of the school. And so my brother and I went there from, you know, from pre-nursery all the way until eighth grade. And I grew up in a very sheltered and extremely loving home. My brother and I were told from a very young age that we were amazing, that we were smart, that we were capable of doing anything. We were leaders from a very young age. We spoke in public all the time. We were ambassadors for our schools, for anything that we were really a part of. We were natural born leaders and my parents really nurtured that. And as I said, it was a humble environment. So like the emphasis on like physical was really not, that wasn't the emphasis. It was just love and admiration and respect for one another. So... I ended up becoming religious. My parents' dismay at the day school that I went to was just very inspiring. The teachers were incredible. And I spent Shabbos at one of my teacher's homes, my first Shabbos ever in fourth grade. And I remember her like lighting Shabbos candles. And I remember thinking, I want that for my life. Like I want this, that environment for my life. And it was a struggle. It was definitely something, you know, I had to, to kind of fight for, but eventually we all kind of came to a happy ground. And that's sort of my like evolution in two minutes or less on like the religious part of my life. In terms of the physical part of my life, I was a very sedentary, very stubborn kid, never wanted to move. I hated sweat. I thought it was the grossest thing ever. My parents played soccer. Like I said, they were South Americans. So soccer was a big, played a big role in our life. And like, I picked the goalie spot because I just wanted to pick the grass. I had no interest in moving. (laughs) And I found myself in a place by the time I was, I mean, fast forward, right? By the time I was married, 27 years old, three little babies in just a really unhappy place in my life. I was giving to everyone else. I was the bottom of the totem pole. I always came last. 
I was extremely unhealthy to the extent that I would be on the phone with my mother and we lived in a ranch. So it was, there were only like eight steps in the whole house, but I'd come up the eight steps and I would be huffing and puffing and like out of breath. And I was just really unhappy mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically just in a really, really, really bad place. And I definitely encourage anyone who's listening to this to take the time to watch my full stories. But I found myself in a place where I just felt total despair and like I could not see the light at the end of the tunnel. I just figured I was going to die young from being really, really unhealthy. And a whole bunch of set of circumstances that I truly believe were God driven led me to a place where I started to work on my health. I started to exercise and partnered with Overeaters Anonymous. I was able to really start to sort of like piece myself back together. And in doing so, I took the thing that was my greatest weakness and really flipped it on its head and made it my greatest strength. And I felt very strongly that I wasn't alone. There were so many women in my community who always put everyone else before them, or always last, couldn't make the time, couldn't find the money, couldn't ever get it together to start exercising. And I figured that if I could inspire them with my story to work out, then maybe I could you know, share my experience, strength, and hope with them so that they too could start making changes in their lives. And so slowly but surely, I started the business. So it's been almost 11 years. Wow. We rented from all different spaces throughout the community, synagogues, shows, houses. We started in a house. Were like JCC. JCC, dance studios. And then almost five years ago, we found this amazing space and I wish you could see the beauty of it. It's just got really high ceilings and there's so much light that comes in. And um, five years ago, I was able to get this space and start offering classes and doing more personal training. And it's been an incredible journey. And I feel like I'm only getting started. I'm still, you know, at the infancy of my growth and in what I hope to, you know, inspire other women to do and to to achieve. Yeah. So I'm going to stop you because I have so many burning questions for you. (laughs) And to be really honest, I signed up for personal training because I just wanted some time with you because there is something about finding a mentor in any way of life, inspiration, learning, exercise, health, healing, anything that when you find someone that you see, it's just like, there's something, there's like a connection, you know, like this is it, dig here, like stick with it. So I do remember coming in here for the first time. I didn't know anyone. I mean, there's like lots of ladies, everyone seems really fit. (laughs) <laughs> it had been after months and months of not exercising. And I was like tripping over my feet. I felt like I lost my like Mojo. rhythm. Yeah, yeah I just yeah. felt like, I don't know if this is for me. And it was so hard that I was almost like, I don't think I'm ever going to go back, which is, I think, probably very common. Sure. But, but it was you that got me back, meaning your personality, your inspiration, your positivity, you. the messages you like stick in. Like, you know, you're lifting dumbbells and you're working out so hard, but you're telling us, like messages of you are strong, you are powerful beyond your imagination, you could do it. And being that there's a lot of other religious women or, you know, Jewish from women, however you want to call it, from, you know, you'll say things sometimes like, I don't care how many kids you have, give me 10. (laughs) You know, I always felt that excuse, like, but I have six children, like I have no stomach muscles, you know, there were no excuses here to really show up and be our best self. Yeah. So that's kind of what got me because this is not about body. It's not about weight. It's not about being skinny. It's about having a healthy attitude and loving yourself. A hundred percent. And I would say when I first started out, it was definitely driven by wanting to lose weight and really 
in my opinion, at where I was needing to lose weight because I was really, really feeling so unhealthy. But it has completely evolved. And as an instructor, I've completely evolved because I used to, you know, see things which a lot of instructors do say still, you know, like, well, if you eat that, let's go burn it off in class. Now I totally stray away from those kinds of messages. I really try to empower the women to come to class. Like you said, I stick in those messages of if you can do this in here and it's hard, you can also do the hard stuff in life. If you can look in yourself in the mirror and really nurture and love yourself instead of like so many women do, right? We look in the mirror and we tear ourselves apart and we think of, oh, if only this was different, if only that was different. But if we could start looking in the mirror and start saying like, I'm amazing. Like I'm awesome. And I am so whatever, fun or smart, or I bring so much to the table. One of my favorite comments was you said, okay, today we don't need any equipment. You have the best piece of equipment yourself, your body. body. Like, and it's so true. Like, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff. So this is a place of empowerment. It really is like, you know, the loving yourself and sending us out off into our day. And we all carry so much on our shoulders, but to start our day, I could only come once a week. I wish I could come more, but it's my favorite day of the week. (laughs) It really is. It gives me so much. So you should be blessed. You should continue this work. I want to talk about the journey that you went on because you lost half your body weight, right? Yeah. You went from like a size, what, 26, 26 to yeah. a size four. Yeah. I mean, this is insane. Like this is pretty, pretty rare. Yeah, it's pretty rare because of the way I went about it. I think there, you know, I did consider doing some pretty crazy stuff like having gastric bypass. And mm-hmm. I thought about going on some of these fad diets, but I just worked day in and day out. And it is still a struggle. I try to tell this to people all the time. Like, I wish that I could say, I'm in the clear, like, I'm good to go. I don't think that real life is like that when it comes to anything, not your relationship with your spouse, with your friends, and with yourself. It's constant work and it is exhausting. It can be really, really, really trying, but it's a daily struggle and it's a daily. I have like my daily stuff that I do, right? I wake up every morning and I say, and then I write a list of my four G's, my gratitudes, my gripe, my glitch, and my goal for the day. And sometimes the day goes exactly as planned. And sometimes the day doesn't go as planned. And that ends up being my glitch for the next day. So it was so hard. And I never forget what it was like to be that person who walked into a class and I was the biggest person in the room. I could barely breathe everything hurt. Every inch of me hurt. I was scared that I would like have a heart attack and just Mm -hmm. fall on the floor. And I see newcomers come and I know it can be, it can be intimidating when you see so many women who are fit and they all know, you know, either the routines or the different sets that we're doing and it can be daunting and it can be overwhelming. I think it's like that a lot. Anytime you're starting anything new in life, it's really, really scary. I always say it's 95% getting your foot in the door. The 5% is the actual workout itself. Mm -hmm. So I never forget those days of how hard it was. And I would say that the emotional support that I had was probably what was kind of like the driver and it helped me stay the course. Having mentors and people who understood what it was like to be a compulsive overeater, having women to work out alongside, you know, that accountability of showing up. Yeah, so so much much fun. fun. And so diverse. You know, Mm -hmm. I think the name from Chicago is a little misleading because you don't have to be from, you don't even have to be no. Judy. You could be, as long as you're female, you know, we welcome you with open arms, but it is scary. And starting something new is scary and even maintaining it, right? They say, yeah. once you start the high of like, you know, 
losing weight, it's the maintenance that ends up so, being really so challenging. So will you talk just a minute about, like, you know, in your journey, you speak about realizing that you were an overeater and realizing that that is a disease and accepting that. And I think that was your turning point. Like once you were kind of shown the whole world of people that are working through that disease, it was like you said, a switch went up. Like you tried so many things, but this was like, this was it. You were off to the races. Yeah. I think once, I mean, the first step in any 12 step program is acceptance and handing it over to your higher power, whoever that may be. And um, yeah, it was accepting. Like I sat in the rooms and I was like, oh, that's me. And that's me. And what that person's talking about was totally me. And, you know, um, it is, it's recognizing whatever it is. I used to think I was broken. I don't think that way anymore. I think this is like what God gave me for my unique set of challenges. And I would never want to take someone else's. Like, I'll keep this. This is what I have to struggle with. And this is what I have to work through. Have you ever heard of the fine Japanese art of Kintsugi? It's basically when you take a pottery piece and you crash it, smash it, and then you glue it back together and you fill in the cracks with gold, it becomes a much more valuable piece. So if you ever felt broken, I mean, that's the Kutzka Rebbe speaks about how a broken heart is the most beautiful whole heart. Like that is beauty. It's piecing yourself back together. And that's where the light shines through the cracks. Yeah, it's really beautiful. So my question was, do you still go to meetings? So I don't go to meetings anymore. I'm not actively involved. I don't have a sponsor. I don't have a sponsee. I kind of felt like I got the knack for it. I still utilize all the principles in any 12 step program. You know, the one step at a time, one day at a time mantra is like always rings true. One minute at a time. Sometimes the mantra of at the end of every meeting, we would say it works when you work it and work it because you're worth it. Like I think about that a lot. Like people want quick solutions. Nowadays, everyone wants a quick, you know, everything is like in five seconds. Yeah, microwave generation. And it takes work. It takes a lot of effort to change, not just physically. It takes a lot of work to start to change and shift your thinking to pivot instead of thinking negatively to think positively. It's just constant, constant work. Just like when you work a muscle, right? You can be really, really strong and then maybe not work out for a week or two. And then you're like, oh my gosh, why is this so hard? When you practice things on the daily, and which I do, all the principles of Overeaters Anonymous, I totally, on the daily, I come to something, whatever it is, but I don't go to meetings mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't. People have asked me to start something here. Okay. And I've thought about it. I've thought about it. I'm not there yet. But you never know. I think it's so much more relatable to all of us, your students, to come in and see someone that is a work in progress. Honestly, I know that I've heard on your, like your speech, like you give this hour. Oh, it was like, I call it the 10 year anniversary. 10 year anniversary. I'm going to share it with all of you guys. so You can hear the whole story and all the details. It's, It's fabulous. Very inspiring. And bring tissues, by the way. You know, COVID had, it was my anniversary of when I started away was April 23rd, 2010. So COVID had just broken out in, you know, February, March, and then I was coming up on the 10 year anniversary. And I just felt like people need inspiration right now. They need to see that like change is possible. And, and again, not just physical change. Like I've had people who listen to the talk and are like, I didn't think anything about weight loss. All I heard was like, I'm capable of changing how Mm. I think, how I feel, how I navigate my relationships. So what I kept hearing in your talk was loving yourself. Yeah. And even when you were very overweight and, you know, dating and all of the struggles, all the years, you had a a very strong sense of self and self-esteem. It was, I want to meet your mom. She never made me feel 
bad about how I looked. She always told me, I mean, I thought I was like the most beautiful thing ever. You know, I tell the ladies all the time, like, look in the mirror, even if it's not here, go home, sit in front of your mirror and just like put your hands on your Mm -hmm. face and talk to yourself the way you would your daughter. Would you ever tell your daughter you're fat pig? Would you ever say to your child, you're out of control, get it together. What's wrong with you? I mean, I should hope we would never say that to our kids, but we're hard on ourselves. We are. And I really give my mom a lot of all the credit for that because there was so much love, so much acceptance. And I think we could all do have a little class with her. I give a class at the L'Chaim Center and we're doing Bain Adzam L'Chavero between man and his fellow man. So the first mitzvah that we speak about is that you should love your fellow as you love yourself. So we're expanding on it and bringing in all the different ideas about that. And one lady, she raises her hand and she said, well, what if you don't love yourself? And I realized, yes, we need to start there. Like it always starts with you. And when you're strong enough, then you could be a vessel. You could fill yourself up. You could give to the whole world, to your community, to your kids. But if you're empty on the inside, you can't even have a relationship with God. No, You cannot have a relationship yeah. with anyone, really, because you're so insecure about everything. Yeah. So I'll share something that happened. Well, I've just gone through like a traumatic move, like changing my whole life, moving from Portland, resettling like, you know, six children into new schools, a whole new system, a whole new way of life. And I'm just recovering. I'm just seeing the light. But it was months and months of, it was a lot of turmoil. And my coping mechanism is food, just like yours, right? And just like many women, right? I mean, we all have a drug of choice. Sometimes it's Netflix. Sometimes it's over shopping, overeating. Sometimes it's drinking. I mean, there's lots of negative behaviors, okay? Choose your negative behavior. For me, it was chocolate. Okay. It was, I literally, at the end of the day, I was so frazzled by everything, all the chaos in my life. And we were on a road trip for three weeks and we were for months, we were living in boxes. So at the end of this really hard time, I had gained 30 pounds and that's a lot of weight to put on. I'm a small frame. I'm five, four, you know, five, three and a half. And I didn't even see it because I also have a very good sense of self. self. I, I do love myself. It's about how you feel. It's about what's inside. This this shell that we that we wear is just the scuba suit for the soul. Totally. We are a soul. We have a body. We need to take care of that body. Yeah. Definitely. Right? Definitely. It should be a good vehicle for us until 120. And we should have so many years in good health. But really, it's just the klipa, like the exterior of what's most important. And I feel like that was kind of the recentering that I got in this space. It's the beauty from within that shines out. And then the outside and the inside, they match. Oh, a hundred percent. I think also, and I guess this is from my parents, we had people in our house all the time from so many different walks of life, from different nationalities. And there was so much love and acceptance of people. And I do think as women, we size up people very quickly when, you know, when they walk in the room, I didn't grow up like that. Like I don't see people. I know I can recognize physical beauty, but I don't see people in that way. I'm able to really genuinely love them and meet them where they're at. Like I have people who come all the time who are struggling. I mean, people come to do personal training, but let's be honest, they're really coming to do therapy and they unload. And I still, despite their choices, despite their mistakes, despite all that, right? I I see them, like you said, like as a soul, not as that physical body. But I think we have a lot of work to do because I think we are trained. There are a lot of different influences to see that, to size people up. Right. I love how you said, that you don't step on the scale. Uh, yeah, there was something medical that I need to be weighed for. I would just turn, I wouldn't look at the number. I have not weighed myself in years. I have no idea how much I weigh. It's such a healthy way of living. 
And I try to tell people that here too, like it's okay to want to change your body and at the same time, love your body. So yes, you may come here because you want to lose weight, but there are so many other goals that are so easily attainable before you're ever going to see a number on a scale, right? Like, am I showing up for myself? Am I making time for myself? And by the way, self-care doesn't only come in the form of exercise, right? I mean, for every single person, it's different. But am I lifting a weight heavier than when I first started? Am I squatting lower than when I first started? I mean, there's so many ways to measure success. And I think as women in particular, we put a lot of emphasis on the number on that scale. And it's so unfair to ourselves. Something that I've noticed in the classes, you'll have a smile. Like you'll, this is very common that you'll say, just smile. Like you smile at everyone around you. You smile at your kids. You smile at the mailman. You smile at everyone, but smile at yourself and really like, you know, work on that. Yeah. So do you find that it is hard for women to look themselves in the mirror? Yes, absolutely. I think that when they look in the mirror, the first thought that's going, and I should do like some sort of like, Whole or you know, right. study the first thing they do is reflect on the mirror. Absolutely, mm. they're looking at every inch and what doesn't look right. I see them. I watch them as they walk in, right. and I think it is really hard. I mean, it's hard. I, I sometimes sit in front of the mirror and it almost feels like egotistical. But I'm not talking about my physical body. I'm not looking in the mirror and being like, "Oh my god, you have such a beautiful nose and great skin." <laughs> like that's not what I'm looking at. When I look in the mirror, I'm like, "You are amazing. You." are a mom and you have five children and you are a successful businesswoman. And I mean, this is obviously for me, right? And you're a good person and you genuinely love people and you make people smile and you make them happy and you give them a tone to have you set the tone for their entire day or sometimes even so their entire true. week. So I mean, and each of us has our own unique gifts, right? Your narrative when you're looking at the mirror is not going to be the same as my narrative, mm. but I think it's really, really hard for people to look in the mirror and to like look in your eyes I think a lot of times people look in the mirror and they're kind of, again, looking at those features, like see beyond. I'm a big believer in having a little conversation with yourself every day when you look in that mirror. In class, I do focus more on, you know, look at yourself, just smile. Like to me, you know, the first Zumba class I ever went to did not feel like a workout. It was so much fun. And when it ended, I was like, more, like, I want to do more of this. I happen to love dancing, not everyone loves dancing, right? But I try to get people out of the like, you know, that zone where they're just kind of... I'm sure you see this a lot. I see this in the religious community. People have a lot of responsibilities, like large families, making Shabbos. Most people are working full-time. I mean, it's a lot to hold. And sometimes I just feel like I want to go up to ladies that I see in the streets and be like, you could smile, like yeah, take off the right. road. Like yeah. it's okay. It's going to yeah. be okay. No one is exempt from stress. I say that a lot in class because I think we, as a society, especially with social media, we just look to say, oh, well, wow, she's got a greener. She's going on vacation, whatever it is, right? Or their kids are perfect or whatever. Everyone has something like literally everyone. No one is exempt from stress. Sure. Some people have it in higher degrees or concentrated times or harder than others. We have a lot going on. We have a lot and I always say this hour is not about my body. This hour is for my mental health. And I know if I can get through this, I can get through whatever's facing me. Yeah, I love it. Okay, well, we're going to close in just a minute. I want you to end with one of your favorite lines. So start thinking about it. I want to share why this place is so important to me. So as an Orthodox Jewish woman who I don't dance with men, right? I don't dance with men. I won't go to, you know, any public 
you know, dance class, it always has to be the right environment. And being that I've lived in so many interesting places in my life, like, you know, small Jewish communities, it wasn't always an option. So I think about my first class that I found that I just lit my soul on fire. That was like the YMCA in Jerusalem. And it just, I used to come home like so alive. And then when we moved away from that community, I would go to the kosher gym in Givat Shaul. Like I would take buses to get there. And, but it was like a happy place for me. And it was, it was the kosher gym. So you could wear your leggings and your tank top and you could just like let your hair down, literally. And then moving to Denver, I really struggled. The only women's only gym or space was called Curves. It just didn't do it for me. Like it was like a circuit and it was boring for me. And I just dragged myself through that. And then Portland was an interesting situation. I was at a turning point in my life where I knew I need this for my mental health. This was a Shiloh. This was a question to ask a rabbi. So it was impossible to find what I was looking for. And I ended up finding an amazing teacher. It seemed like it's all about the teacher. Like I went to one class, I stood in the back. I totally was falling over my feet because I was so out of you know, practice, but like her positivity and her radiance was what attracted me. And I I said, I'm in the class was called dance, dance, dance. And I went for years, for years until COVID came and then the gym was shut down and we went online and thank God that like pulled me through a, a very, very hard time, but it was open to all genders. Now this was an early morning class, like 830 in the morning. It was all retired ballerinas. I mean, there were really no men that were coming to this class. There was one man that would come from time to time. And I wasn't even sure he was a man. (laughs) I really wasn't sure. But it was so important to me. And in the beginning, I felt I'm not sure if I should be here. Like, I'm very into being in my integrity, like with who I am and what my value system is. And I would discuss this with my husband. Like, he was like, enough already. You have to go to this class. This is your mitzvah. Like, you have to do this for your family, for your mental health. And in the beginning, when this man would walk in, I just felt like I can't be there. Even though I'm head to toe, literally in a long skirt, long sleeves, head scarf, the works. And I'm in the corner. But something amazing happened in my own relationship with Hashem. I was able to figure out how to do this because I needed it so badly. And, you know, we learn a lot about modesty and about like all of the laws that we, we uphold, but I had to find my own, what modesty really meant for me in the corner, in the back corner where no one could walk by and see me. And the man was like on the other corner, like when he came once every 10 times, and I found a way to still get what I needed out of it while still being there. And it was kind of like, I don't know if I feel a hundred percent about it, but it was what I needed at the time. And now fast forward, I come to Chicago and I said to my friends on the North Shore, does anyone know of a gym? Does anyone know of a gym? And one of my friends actually took me to see a few like these like ritzy places on the North Shore. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I could do it. I could go head to toe. I'm so right. secure in who I am as an Orthodox Jewish woman. But this is a gift. It's such an amazing space of Jewish women. I mean, I love being around Jewish women, but we should put up like a symbolic hook. Like we hang our judgment at the door. We hang our like preconceived notions. Everything that we're holding, we just like hang it. We leave it outside and just come into the space and do what we need to do for ourselves and leave so much better. Okay, so do you want to end with any words of wisdom? I mean, I have so many lines that I say in class, but I think the one that I know for myself, because I would go to a yoga class once a week. That was like my hour for me to be a student. I always try to go back into the shoes of what it's like to be a student. And I remember the yoga instructor saying, 
I want you to, she would set the tone of every class and she would say, you know, I want you to think about who are you doing this for? And for a long time, it was, you know, for my kids, so I could be a stronger mother and for my husband, so I could be more emotionally available and for my community, so I can be a leader. And it evolved over time. And I asked the question now in class and my answer is so different now. My answer, when I ask everyone, what's your why? Why are you here? Because really in the end of the day, on a Sunday morning at 9 a.m. or at 9.15, when you've just done carpool, you probably have a million errands that you need to run. Why are you here? What's driving you? It's not just, and of course, partially, but it's not just because I need to be available for my kids. And it's not just because I need to be available for my husband or be a good daughter or be a good student or be a good friend. I need this for me. My why is me. What is my why? My why is I need to show up for myself here so I can show up for myself in all the other areas of my life. And I think that comes from a place of self-love, of recognizing your self-worth, of not beating yourself up. We are human. We are fallible. We make mistakes. And then we just pick ourselves up and we keep on going, right? I always say in class, right? Life is full of ups and downs. We call them squats. I love that And it's true. I mean, but really the driver of what's your why, I think that narrative has to change just first with myself. Like we said, loving myself, taking care of myself. And then sure, all of the wonderful people in our lives kind of benefit when we're in a better place. But in the end of the day, I need to do this for me. And I would just say, love yourself, look at yourself in the mirror, hold your literally in the eyes. I put my hands on my cheeks the way I would for like one of my kids if they came to me crying because they were upset. And I just have a conversation with myself, frame your morning. I saw recently something that said, we're conditioned to think negatively for whatever reason. I don't know if I fully believe that, right? But I have moments where I can be super negative. And therefore in the morning, first thing in the morning, you need to really start with like that positive reinforcement. And I would say like, if we can start one small thing, maybe you can't get to a class and you can't work out for an hour, but if you can just start looking at yourself in that mirror in the eyes and just say, I love you. Like, it seems so simple, but I think it's really hard for people. I think that would at least one foot in front of the other get us to a place where we can be so full of love for ourselves that, again, it trickles into everyone else's lives. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. you. And I invite all of you to join us and be part of our community. There is no judgment. I love that. That hook on the wall. We just leave it right there from every walk of life. As long as you're female, you're welcome here. Amazing. Thank you, Tupara. And thank you for listening. And we'll see you guys later. Thank you for being a part of our community. There is so much more coming your way. Stay tuned and have a great, inspired day.